We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome into the wednesday edition of the pack a day podcast i am one of your hosts dusty evely with me is my good friend sarah kelleher no steve tonight as he's a little under the weather so we hope he feels better and he'll be back with us next week um sarah you are here we are here to talk about packers final 53 and cutdown. how are you today I'm good. Feeling great. You know, bummed that Steve isn't feeling too well. You know, Steve, if you're listening, hope you feel better soon. Um, but, you know, we're here. We have some Packers news to talk about, which is always great. And once again, as we've talked about the last few weeks, we're just another week closer to the real thing. You know, we got the text from Andy last week. Hey, here's the season topics for everybody. Just making sure we're all cool with this again for another year. So great to see that. Just another reminder that, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to the best part of the year. Um, and I'm good. How about you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, the next time we talk, the next time we talk, Sarah, we're going to be talking Packers offense versus Vikings defense and talking about the season over. Like that's, you know, it's a long off season, but I feel like this really snuck up. I feel like it always sneaks up, but yeah, it's, it's, it's real. It's really, it's all happening. Sarah. Thank God. Thank Thank God. We made it. We made it out. Um, and I mean, with that in mind, we have actual things to talk about today as well. We've got some of your questions. We'll get some of those later. But uh, today or yesterday, as you're listening to this, was uh, cut down day. Packers had to get as well as all teams to the final 53. And so we're going to kind of go position by position. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of people talking about this, you know, on the lead up or maybe some surprises and all of that. So we've actually got the final list now. And so we're going to kind of walk through each position, talk about who they kept. Maybe some some key guys they dropped and and uh, things that are surprised. I'm sure some of these will get through quick, and some will spend a little more time at, with. Um, and yeah, before before we get to that, I guess uh, a cool bit of news uh, from yesterday is uh, Morgan Burnett is retiring as a Green Bay Packer. Um, Sarah, I don't know your feelings on Morgan Burnett. I mean, I I always loved him. I, I wish he had been able to stay a Packer his entire career. Had a you know pretty good. Uh, Pretty good career out in uh, Pittsburgh after you left Green Bay, but always love Morgan Burnett. But what are, what are your feelings? What were your thoughts when you saw that? I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, ditto to everything that you said. I always think it's awesome, no matter what team, when a guy has been able to make a, a really big impact in an organization and then, you know, they might leave and their path takes them somewhere else. Um, but then they come back and they, you know, retire for a day with that team. Um, 
So it made me happy to see it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope the best for him and a happy retirement. But, yeah, well-deserved honor and glad he could retire in the green and yellow. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I always loved, always loved him back there. Just very steady. I know kind of as he lost some of his speed, he was never a top-end speed guy. He kind of transitioned more into kind of a box safety, kind of hybrid linebacker type in the last year or two in Green Bay. And I always loved that. I thought he did just a short tackler. I seem like a good dude. So yeah, happy that he's back uh, retiring with Green Bay. Saw a lot of people joking about, well, is he retiring or is he going to sign his uh, safety three? Because we could probably use him as safety three. So um, you know, I, th- I think he's just retiring, but I guess we'll, we'll wait to find out. All right. Without further ado, Sarah, let's get to the final 53. So the quarterback room, we'll start with first. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. They kept, uh, it was 25 on offense, 25 on defense, three specialists. Just, just split it right down the middle, man. So we'll start with quarterbacks where they kept two. No surprise here. Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and they uh, they released Danny Etling. I assume he's probably going to be a candidate to come back on the practice squad. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to assume you probably don't have a whole lot of surprises in this group, right? No, none at all, to be exact. Um, you know, this is really how I felt it would go, that everyone and their mother felt it would go. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that we can just go ahead and move on. Well, that, let's do exactly that. All right, for running back, this is something that uh, I, I kind of heard making the rounds. People kind of talking about the uh, Packers only keeping two running backs. Uh, starting, I think, last week, some of these rumblings. I Not that I never really quite bought into it. I didn't really see the sense in it uh, because with all the talk of, you know, using Aaron Jones more and some pony package and all of that, I kind of assume you'd need a third running back. They don't, Sarah. They're going into the season with two running backs. Uh, they've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They released Patrick Taylor. Tyler Goodson and Dexter Williams and Kylan Hill is still on the uh, the pup list. And so the I guess the thought is likely whenever he's ready to return, I think pup list is minimum four weeks at this point uh, that that he will be back and you know, they'll make room for him at that point. He'll be RB three. But up until, you know, I'm sure they're going to try to bring back, I would guess Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson on the practice squad. But they're going this season as of this moment when we're recording with two running backs. Sarah, what were your thoughts on this? This was uh, this was surprising to me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I was shocked. Um, and perhaps maybe this is one of the most surprising um, aspects of the cut down on Tuesday. Um, but my takeaway is that they just must really feel good and like what they have in Kylan Hill um, to say, OK, when he's back and he's healthy, we feel confident in those three guys and what we have. And then maybe at that point in the season, whenever he does come back, they can start to use um, Aaron Jones a bit differently and um, move some things around. You know, if you think about it too, it it might be a perfect storm. If Kylan Hill is coming back a little later in the year, it starts to get colder at Lambeau Field. So they run with A.J. Dillon a bit more, bruise some guys up, and then Aaron Jones is um, beating them in the slot or running quick little out routes here and there or pitch plays. Who knows what they're, you know, going to cook up this year. Um, but that was my thought that maybe there's something there um, and clearly they have a plan. But yeah, I mean, you had even mentioned it last week, Dusty. You're like, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to keep three yeah. running backs and then yeah, they go and they're like, no, you guys are just stupid podcasters and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty surprising, but makes me feel good about Kylan Hill as a player and also where he's at in his recovery, too. Yeah, I thought Goodson, I was really excited about Goodson. I thought Goodson could do a lot of things that Kylan Hill could do as far as his role in the running game and his role in the passing game as well. Uh, Hill is a, a 
I'm not even going to say more dynamic, likely a better returner. We didn't see a lot out of Goodson, but we did see him fumble his own ball into the end zone on a kickoff return. So, um, you know, that that wasn't great. And Kylan Hill hasn't done that. So, you know, hopefully, you know, Kylan Hill will be back, back after the, the four weeks. Um, I, I really want to see Tyler Goodson in there. I think Patrick Taylor had some special teams value and he, he was kind of the, the bruising guy, the bruising running back, a little better in pass pro than Goodson was. But I really like uh, the potential for Goodson, especially with uh, – this, uh, you know, without saying anything uh, terrible, hopefully, uh, with this potentially being Aaron Jones's last year in Green Bay, based on how his his, his contract is structured, I Tyler Goodson seems like the perfect guy to kind of step into that role, a guy who could kind of grow into that, get better at pass pro and be a dynamic option in the passing game. So that was a little surprising. Um, I'm going to guess they're going to try to bring him back in the practice squad and they will probably do so. Uh, but but I was I was shocked by this. Um, but I guess the two running backs kind of helps make way for the seven wide receivers. Uh, so they, they they kept seven. There was a lot of people thinking they were going to keep six. I, some people think an eight. I kind of land in the middle of seven. Uh, and this was about the group I expected. Really, they kept uh, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Amari Rogers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Samari Toure, they released uh, Juwan Winfrey and Travis Fulgham, and they waived uh, Ishmael Hyman, who was injured, I believe, in the third preseason game. So, uh, Sarah, any uh, any any thoughts there? Any surprises? I, I, for me, I think one of the big ones was Winfrey. Um, I think I think who he is now is probably better than Samari Toure, but maybe without the upside of Toure. So that one was that one's a little surprising, but not overly so. I don't feel like I feel like that's kind of a razor's edge there. But what were your thoughts about the wide receiver group? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page with you. You know, I thought Winfrey might sneak in there, but obviously was wrong uh, with Travis Fulgham. You know, he had a great year in 2020, but I have a feeling that maybe that was just that was his year. It worked out and they're not getting the consistency that they need from somebody at that position, especially, you know, if you're a wide receiver in Green Bay, I think it, it comes with a an added responsibility. And you know that if number 12 is throwing you the ball, you have to be able to be consistent. You have to be sharp. You have to understand the playbook through and through. Um, And it's really seems like the wide receiver room in green Bay is always on another level uh, just from a mentality standpoint. Maybe he just didn't fit into that, but for the most part, not too, too stunned by this. Yeah, and I think um, I kind of made a joke of it during the third preseason game, um, but it's something to the effect of you don't need to keep three running backs if you keep Amari Rodgers, just based on how they were using him. And that was something I think uh, Nate Tice over on the Athletic Football Show said something. I think that the numbers were Amari Rodgers lined up in the backfield five times in 2021 and lined up in the backfield nine times in the third preseason game or the second preseason game or something. So that does seem like, and I think they gave him one, at least one actual carry, maybe two actual carries and a couple jet carries as well. So that does seem like something they're playing with, you know, Cobb traditionally had lined up in the backfield. Uh, Amari Rodgers at this point in his career is more dynamic than Cobb. So maybe they're looking at instead of a two running back set, they're looking at one running back and Amari Rodgers and looking for ways to, get him on the field. They certainly seem to lean into the more gadget aspect of his game in the preseason. So maybe that went into the think of the two running backs. We'll keep seven wide receivers. One of them is Amari Rogers and we're going to line him up on the backfield a lot. So that wouldn't shock me a bit if we see, if we see a lot more of that, because they did show a lot of that in the preseason. Uh, at tight end, they kept four. Uh, no surprises here. I don't think uh, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Josiah DeGuara, Tyler Davis. They released Sal Canella uh, and then they waived uh, with injury Nate Becker and Elise Mack. Uh, Sarah, any thoughts there? 
No, not surprised that, you know, today, Wednesday, August 31st, uh, when this episode is is out, that this is where the tight end room um, ended up. But I, I do worry with Tyler Davis a little bit, just that maybe that's, you know, as they're conti- – this is the 53 right now, but mm-hmm. as guys become available and things change, that can always change too. Um, and I have a feeling he might be close to the chopping block just based on – Things that happened in the preseason, you know, he was really inconsistent and, you know, I I want it to work out. But if they do have to make another cut or move things around at some point, then, yeah, I I think he might be, you know, the first to go. Yeah, that's a good point. And something something to keep in mind with all of this, as I was saying, as we're recording, this is the 53. We we know uh, Gudukun's MO is that he's always trying to turn the bottom of the roster. And if you're trying to turn the bottom of the roster, I know they've said all off season and continue to say good things about Tyler Davis, his work ethics, what he's been showing in practice, what he kind of brings the team and all that. But I got to figure if you're, if you're tight end four, uh, and you're turning the bottom of the roster, that's, that's potentially a spot they're looking at. So yeah, just something to keep in mind with all of these. We're talking about the 53. Now I know when we get to safeties, there's a guy who made it. I think he had a post on Twitter today. I was like, ah, wow, this is so great. Um, I'm like, well, I, I hope he sticks around. So that's the, just keep that in mind with all these guys with, with everyone we're talking about being released now that's happening all across the league, which means there's a ton of guys in the marketplace that, that they could look to upgrade at some point. So um, I would say just for, just for the tight ends, I, this doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and, and, you know, if, if we're concerned about the fourth tight end, that's not really that bad. I I like in limited time what Sal Canelo showed in the preseason, uh, but we didn't really get enough of him to form a huge opinion. Offensive line, they kept ten. Uh, there was some there's some thoughts that they were going to keep eleven. They ended up keeping ten. Uh, so they kept David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, John Running Jr., Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Yash Nyman, Jake Hansen, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, and Rashid Walker. Uh, Walker didn't play much in the preseason. He was injured, I think, for the first two. So that was a bit of a surprise. And they released um, everyone's favorite large, large man, uh, Caleb Jones, and also Michael Manette, I believe it is. Uh, Sarah, what are your thoughts on on 10 offensive linemen in the building? I mean, this is the Green Bay Packers, after all. We know they <laughs> love their offensive linemen. But as far as the first, you know, let me look. One, two, three, four, five, six, you know, so first half and change. No, no surprises there at all. Um, obviously, you know, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Runyon, Myers, Newman, um, and then Yash are all going to be there. Um, curious to see, you know, Zach Tom, I feel like there's been some, some glimmers mm-hmm. of hope and just some good things that would provide depth at that position. So nice to see that they continue to just have this unspeakable depth at um, on the O-line and you know it, it's a position that the Packers are always strong in but one that they seem to struggle with injuries every single year so um, you know if they can add depth there then great and I, I feel good with with the group that they have but yeah 10 they they sure do love them that's for sure yeah uh, Tom showed some really nice stuff I'm excited about him there has been uh I mean, I say rumblings. It's not really rumblings from like any team sources or anything like that. But uh, with with the Tyron Smith injury in Dallas and that offensive line is not great. And also with McCarthy out there, there are thoughts that maybe Dallas takes a run at at, at grabbing Nyman for that left tackle job out there. Uh, so, you know, that potentially something to keep an eye on. And then, and then you got Zach Tom as your backup left tackle, perhaps. I know he'd been kind of right tackle, I think, more than anything this preseason. But that's something to keep an eye on. I know Caleb Jones is a big name just because he's, again, a big man. What was he like 6'7", 350, something like that? Just a large, large human. Uh, he showed some things in the preseason, but was 
pretty inconsistent. I, I'm fine with leaving him off. There's thoughts that maybe he gets claimed on, on his way back to the practice squad, which I don't know. It's one of those guys, if he sparks, if something hits with him, he could be amazing. But I didn't see a whole lot in in the snaps that we saw in the preseason that led me to believe that he's going to be uh, really good down the line. So something to keep an eye on. It sets uh, 25 offensive guys. Uh, we're going to move to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, defensive line. I'll start with defensive line. I think one surprise here, uh, just just that I was kind of a guy I was excited about. But so six they kept. Uh, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Jonathan Ford. They released Jack Heflin uh, and Chris Slayton. No relation to TJ Slayton. There's a Y in that name. And then they waived Akil Byers. Uh, Sarah, any thoughts, surprises on defensive line for you? Yeah, so just a, a funny comment. I, I actually am chuckling to myself that you mentioned, you know, Slayton. There is a Y in there because at first somebody tweeted that and all I saw was Slayton and really yeah. quick was at work. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you talking about? And then I, I realized, you know, what was happening. Um, you know, with Heflin, I thought maybe, you know, he might he might yeah. make it on there. Um but again, you know, kind of similar to the offensive line, I'm not too shocked that this is the direction that they went. Um, you know, with it looking at, you know, I think they feel good about what they have in, in Devontae Wyatt and um, TJ Slayton is obviously a young developing player. Um, but you just never know. And it always, this is always a position that worries me because I feel like Kenny Clark is so good. And then everyone else is just like decent and there's a very large gap. Um, So if Kenny Clark were to ever get injured, which, you know, he's, I like to think he's a superhuman, but he's not. um, I worry a bit just about the depth at this position every year though. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, they have the bodies this year where I feel better about it this year than I certainly have in the past. I mean, Jaron Reed, who I know has been showing out, and Slayton seems primed for a jump. Wyatt hasn't shown a whole lot, which is a little concerning. But they've got they've got bodies there in a way that they haven't before. I mean, it's Jer- you've swapped out uh, Jaron Reed uh, for Tyler Lancaster. Like that's that's good. That's that's a good swap up there. I think for me, the surprise is is, is you mentioned Heflin. I'm in. We're not in practice. We don't see all that stuff. But just looking at preseason stuff, Jonathan Ford to me didn't show a whole lot besides being a big body. And Heflin, same as last year, kind of flashed, did some stuff where maybe he's not a finished product yet, but he showed to to me in the preseason he showed more than Jonathan Ford did. So that that seemed a bit surprising. Um, but it's not it's not breaking my heart or anything. But I I kind of assume Heflin was going to be on that list. Uh, the outside linebacker room, they kept five. We got Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Tipanalia, Kingsley. I guess it's, it's JJ, JJ and Ibari, and Jonathan Garvin. Uh, and they released Kobe Jones and Ladarius Hamilton. Any surprises there, Sarah? No, I'm actually not surprised by this at all. Um, I really expect great things from both Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and the rest I feel good about too. And, um, I know we have, we'll get to inside linebackers in a second, but we'll you know we'll pour one out for Steve when we get there. We'll pour one out for Steve. Yeah, the first two first two are gimmies. Um, I think uh, Tipa and Jonathan Garvin both showed some nice things last year, and Igbari showed some really good stuff in the preseason. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, it's not necessarily a shock, but I like the stuff Kobe Jones did um, in the preseason. I talked to uh, Sam Holman about that. I think after the first or second preseason game, but Kobe Jones showed some good stuff so he's a guy i hope they they bring back to the practice squad because he he showed enough flashes where like i there might be something there but i just i don't think he's there yet uh inside linebacker room yeah pour, pour one out for steve pour one out for steve sorry buddy we miss you um there's four and hey man like maybe the best group uh on the defense which is just insane how far we've come right uh so it is of course devondre devondre campbell quay walker chris barnes and Isaiah McDuffie with a released uh, Ray Wilborn and Ty Summers. Uh, I mean, zero shock to me, Sarah, anything for you? No, I'm just hype as hell about this group. And Steve, you won. Congrats. You, you (laughs) yelled for many years and the universe finally said, we'll take care of you. We have this covered, but yeah, this is a great group. Yeah, I think, you know, Chris Barnes, who was a starting inside linebacker, if Chris Barnes is is your three and Isaiah McDuffie, who's like just a lunatic uh, as your four kind of special teamer guy who also showed some some really nice closing speeds and some good stuff in preseason. That's a good group, man. That's a real good group. I know I was saying earlier, and I'm, I'm trying to take my own advice here, uh, at, you know, a few episodes ago, pump the brakes on Quay Walker because linebacker is kind of a tough position to step into. I know it's only preseason, but man, it's hard not to get excited about him. Just some of the stuff he showed, his ability to kind of separate from blocks and flow to the run, and just he seemed like he knew what he was doing. And his his arms are just just massively long arms. He covers so much space. It's it was it's hard not to get excited about Quay Walker. So I'm trying to tell myself to to pump the brakes here. Cornerback, uh, they kept five, which seem it seems light to me, but at the same time. Like I don't like any of the other guys at a six, so five seems fine. I I have a feeling this and safety are both areas that 
will likely try to address uh, between now and the season or shortly after the season. So there are five cornerbacks, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, uh, Keshawn Nixon, and Shamar John, Shamar John Charles. They released Rico Gafford, KB Anento, and Keandre Thomas. Uh, now for a while it was looking like you know Gafford might have a shot based on special team stuff. He didn't show a whole lot in the preseason. So uh, the, the number five is a little surprising, uh, but the, who they kept, does not seem surprising. Sarah, what are your thoughts on the, on the cornerback room as it stands? Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, with Gafford, I, I, you know, I, I'm not there, so I, I don't see it with my own eyes, but I read as much as I can on Twitter and it, it seemed like there was hope and that hope was just sadly never realized. And yeah. with Ento, you know, fan favorite, it was mm-hmm. sort of the same thing. I think he had these really flashy moments in camp where people are like, Oh, he, this could be it, you know, and all this promise. But that was never consistent. It was just here and there. And unfortunately, I think that was, you know, when the Packers are looking to to cut down, they're like, we need somebody that's going to perform consistently and not just give us a good play here and there, um, but actually, you know, provide what's needed over, you know, 17 games and plus mm-hmm. because Packers usually are hopefully going to the playoffs. Um, yeah. But yeah, not too shocking outside of just some little tidbits there. Yeah, I really like I think um and, and Maggie and Perry talked about this on on Pax, what she said last week, that of like outside of those top three, I thought John Charles was the only one who showed a whole lot in the preseason. Um I don't we didn't see much of Nixon and the other guys were mostly bad, but John Charles, I liked what I saw, but he's like the only guy in that group that I got excited about. So yeah, I don't know. We'll probably see something there. Um, taking us to the other one, safety. So I think they typically only keep four. They kept five this time with at least one guy that seems like just a special teamer. Just you hope you hope he never seems. Two of these guys, honestly, I kind of hope I never see on the field this year outside of special teams. We've got Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Dallin Levitt, who got injured in the second or third preseason game. And, and LaFleur said it looked pretty serious. That's he forced the fumble, went down his shoulder. So the fact that he was back at practice and he made the roster is insane to me. Uh, Tariq Carpenter and uh, now fan favorite Micah Abernathy, who was a USFL guy and made some plays in the preseason. Uh, they released Devontae Cross. They waived uh, with, with injury Sean Davis and NS Gaines. Davis was kind of a presumed third safety before the injury, a knee injury. So kind of hope they bring him back and Gaines. I mean, kind of what you said, Sarah, he was kind of like Ento. Gaines was kind of a fan favorite last year, kind of preseason practice and all that stuff. And just, it just didn't shake out for him. Uh, but what's your, what are your thoughts on the, on the safety room outside of uh, the Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage? Yeah. I'm looking at my notes and I wrote this group concerns me. Um, and that about sums it up. Like you mm-hmm. said, was just shocked about, how certain people made it despite injuries, but I, I think they just they need to have guys and they're going to do what they can. You know, this is my number one position group where if, you know, guys are, you know, obviously teams around the league um, are cutting team or cutting teams, cutting players <laughs> right now and um, making decisions right before the season starts. And if somebody that is a safety happens to be let go and is available and the Packers can try to get them. This is where I think they're going to try to make a move because, oh boy, there's not a lot. This isn't very sexy of the Packers. I'm, no, I'm not, not thrilled with it. Well, I mean, Savage has just come back from an injury as well. I mean, you look at these guys and it's okay. So it's Amos and Savage. 
Uh, Levitt, who, like I said, basically a special teamer. Like he was brought on to essentially just be a special teamer. Tariq Carpenter, who was seen as like a developmental, but a special teamer, sole special teamer rookie year. And then Micah Abernathy, who wasn't even with the team two weeks ago. Uh, I know they were kind of banking on Sean Davis and obviously he got injured. But yeah, this this seems like an area. I don't have a whole lot of guys written down, but this seems like an area like Anthony Harris from the Vikings was released today. And he's got history with Jerry Gray. He's getting a little older. I know he didn't have his best year, um, but he still was decent and knows what he's doing. So someone like Anthony Harris or, or Jaquiski Tart or something like that, I could see the Packers bringing in. Uh, Harris makes a lot of sense just because of the Jerry Gray connection. But yeah, you're looking at the safety group and going, man, man, this, like you said, not sexy is the nicest thing you can you can say about it, Sarah. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, you know, there's something to be said because they, they had that third safety out on the field a lot last year. Uh, I think with Quay Walker, the packages are going to run out are going to be less three safety. They're going to do more two linebacker than they had before with Quay kind of carrying a guy up the field because you can mix and match a little better. But still, man, if one guy goes down and Savage has missed time, he's already missed time. You know, the hamstring injury and he just came back. So, <sighs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen if I see Dallin Levitt or Treat Carpenter out there as like the deep safety uh, in an actual honest to God game. Uh, nothing good. So let's hope they do something there. Uh, and our last group we have got, and this was a, this was a surprise just because of, of what happened to get us here. we got three specialists, Mason Crosby, who was just activated off the pup list. He's been, and there's question marks about Crosby. Uh, they just activated him off the pup list. So it's Mason Crosby is your kicker. Pat O'Donnell is your punter and Jack Coco is your long snapper. They released uh, Ramiz Ahmed, who kicked well in the third preseason game. I would imagine they're going to probably stash him on the practice squad as they've been doing. So, Sarah, outside of welcome back, Mason, or even just just give your welcome back, Mason piece, uh, how do you feel about the specialists here? Yeah, this wasn't surprising to me. Um, You know, Mason Crosby was taken off the pup list, and he'll be ready for week one. 242nd consecutive regular season insane. game for him. He's he's just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm glad that he's okay and that he'll be back. But yeah, I'm not I'm not shocked by this. And like I, I've said before, can't get wor- any worse. Um, so it's only up from here. One can hope. One can hope. Um, well, with that, Sarah, so that's the, that's the other 53. Did you have like one guy that stood out to you, or one group more than any other that was like? That was that was really surprising, um, based on based on what I thought. Or they all we kind of covered it already, but just like as far as a summary, what was your? If you had to pick like one big surprise, what was your one big surprise? Hmm. I, I think it has to be going back to the beginning of our conversation with the running backs. Yeah. I really thought that they would have three, um, and that was the one thing that stuck out to me the most when you know I was looking through it and then I'm reading the stories and seeing the tweets. And at the end, they're like, yeah, two. I was like, whoa, all righty then. Okay, here we go. Um, but outside of that, I mean, yeah, we talked about it. There's some surprises here and there. But, you know, this was one of the years where I, I think they really didn't stray too far away from what most people thought they were going to do. Um, yeah. and, and I did see, I felt like more than ever this year, just, you know, people always have their 53-man projections and a lot of people were like oh I was really close this year I was only a few people off or maybe I had this guy wrong or I had one too many of this position um so yeah I wasn't wasn't too stunned this year 
Yeah, I think I know uh, our buddy Matt Pickett from Hey We Like Your Pod has been kind of collecting all the 53-man rosters, seeing how close everyone got and creating kind of an aggregate 53-man roster projection that he was kind of putting together. And I think four or five people, I know Andy Herman was on that list. Um, I, can't, I can't remember who else. Uh, four or five had 50 right. And then I know a couple were sitting just outside with 49. I know, uh, you know, Tom Grassi had 49 and was getting ready to give up YouTubing forever uh, because he couldn't couldn't bear the shame of only getting 49 right. But yeah, I'm with you. I think the running back, the two running back, again, like that's surprising, but not like an out and out shock. I don't feel like. And then the other stuff is, you know, I I don't I don't necessarily love keeping Jonathan Ford over Jack Heflin, but that's not really a huge huge shock if you're talking about like who the sixth defensive lineman is that doesn't really register as a shock to me uh, too much. So, uh, and that was, so we got a question from uh, Matt Pickett. Thank you. The aforementioned Matt Pickett for that. Uh, so thanks for that. But that's, that's us answering your question, Matt. You don't, you don't get an answer in the, in the uh, Twitter questions because we just got it there. So that is, uh, that is your 53 man roster. As of now, by the time you're hearing this, maybe that's not your 53 man roster. Maybe the Packers have made some changes. Maybe they've picked up four or five guys along the way. Um, so we will see it's an ever changing thing, but as of this moment, we're recording that's your 53. And there are certainly areas for concern. I think, you know, safety seems like the big one cornerback, which we kind of knew going into this whole process. Um, but overall, I don't know. Overall, Sarah, just you feel all right about it. You feel like this is a Super Bowl team ready to, ready to compete, man. Of course, I feel good. I, I, never a doubt. Um, and you know, this is this is great. There's some key pieces of their offense and defense that are you know still recovering from injuries, but I think they'll you know by mid season they'll be feeling really good, and hopefully no one else suffers any major injuries. You know, we just have to hope and pray that that doesn't happen. Um, but I I feel good. I do. Me too. Me too. I'm ready ready for the season to start, man. Ready for the season to start. Um, so with that, like we said, there's our 53. Um, as always, we've got some questions from you all. Not a ton this week, but a couple good ones. So I believe we are going to get to those. Yep. All right. Our first question is from Wherefore Art Thou Romeo Dobbs, um, a.k.a. <laughs> at Matthew Keating. Uh, he has a couple questions for us. So Number one, we'll start with this and then we'll answer the second one as a completely different question because we have a lot to discuss here. I want to make a Wisconsin version of a traditional English English breakfast for the London game. Using brats for the sausage is a no-brainer, but what else do you think I should do? I'm still mad that the Packers weren't picked for the Munich game. That would have been easy. So... We worked very hard on this, and I'll pass it to Dusty because he has the whole meal planned. We basically gave our meal together because this Mm -hmm. was a lot and required a lot of research and planning. Um, Because, you know, when we are asked a food question, we take it to heart and we make sure we're giving you the most accurate answer possible. Yeah, we worked on this uh, before we started recording, and the two of us worked together for probably 10 or 15 minutes to make sure, like, is this right? Does this feel right? So I think we feel good about our answer. So the first thing we had to do was obviously Google everything in a traditional English breakfast. I'd seen pictures. I, I kind of know some things, but not everything. And so we're going to run down what we found of a traditional English breakfast, and then we'll give our alternatives, or we're just going to keep some stuff. So traditional English breakfast is... Beans, toast, mushrooms, tomatoes, potatoes, bacon, eggs, black pudding... And then tea. So that's your traditional English breakfast. Um, not not 
not my alley. It's not up my alley at all. Most of that stuff, but I, uh, you know, I live in Kentucky, so I have no room to talk. I don't think. Uh, so that's what we're basing with. And so we're going to go in that order. Um, we went with, okay, first up beans. We can't have beans, man. We're in, we're, we're in Wisconsin. We cannot have beans. We're going to go cheese curds. So replacing the beans with cheese curds. I feel like that's, that's solid. Uh, the toast we're going to keep mushrooms. We're going to keep, but we're going to go, I believe it's pronounced morel, morel mushrooms, uh, which is a Wisconsin mushroom. So we're going to go there. We're keeping tomatoes for potatoes. We're going to keep potatoes, but we're doing French fries because, because we can, uh, I guess we could technically do hash browns in the morning, you know, potato of choice, but we're going to go, we're going to do French fries, uh, bacon. We're keeping because of course eggs we're keeping, um, but we're likely going to switch up how we cook them. Right, Sarah? I'm going up. I don't know. I'm probably going scrambled or something, yep. I'm guessing, with my eggs. Yeah. All right. Scrambled with cheese. Scrambled with cheese. Yeah. There we go. Put cheese on everything. So we're doing eggs with cheese. Uh, for black pudding, I Googled what black pudding was, and now I wish I didn't Google what black pudding was. No offense to people who like it. Again, I've just never had it um, because I live in Kentucky. Um, we went with beer cheese soup. Uh, because it sounds amazing and, uh, you know, it's a little more liquidy than pudding, um, but we're, we're going to take that swap out there. So that's what we've got. And then for tea, I mean, Sarah, this was your answer, but we couldn't go any other way. We went with Miller Lite. We know it's the morning, but it's light. It's a light beer. So that's that's our breakfast. Again, cheese curds, toast, morel mushrooms, tomatoes, french fries, bacon, eggs, beer, cheese, soup, and tea. Uh, I... I feel like I would die if I ate all of that, but that is our Wisconsin spin on a traditional English breakfast. Sarah, are you good with that? I feel like we, we, we talked about this. We're good with this. Yep. Love it. All right. The second part of Matthew Keaton's question. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Number two. Are you as angry as I am that only two Packers appeared on the top 100 list? Which Packers do you believe are actually among the best 100 players in the NFL? Uh, So um, for those of you that haven't kept up with the NFL Top 100, which is a player voted um, list, allegedly, of course, um, Aaron Rodgers um, came in at number three and Devondre Campbell came in at number 49. um, And those were the only two members of the Green Bay Packers as Matthew noted that made the list. Uh, so, Dusty, who do you think was snubbed on the Packers that should be on this list? 
And so I guess the answer to the first part of the question of his question, I, I don't really get mad over this because I don't like I don't care. And then I was reading stuff from uh, Mitchell Schwartz, who just retired this past year and he was a right tackle in the league for, for a while. Uh, apparently, they don't really care either. It's like we get the ballot. I barely pay attention to what I'm doing. I write down, you know, teammates names and stuff like that. So a lot of guys don't take it seriously. Um, list stuff. I feel like lists are made to make people mad. And so I, I have just decided I'm not going to take the bait. So I'm not upset. But. Uh, if I'm if I'm gonna take say one, I'll, we'll go one guy because uh, you can go a couple different ways with this. Uh, that I feel like should have been the top 100. I think it's my first thought is Kenny Clark, man. Like he is one of the top uh, D linemen, interior D linemen in the league. You know, is Aaron Donald, and then you know Kenny Clark is you know top two, top three. Like he's right up there. And I know that position is not valued that much typically. I know Aaron Donald is an alien, but I think Kenny Clark belongs in the top 100. Um, what about what about you, Sarah? Who do you got? Yeah, I, I thought of a couple people or a few people. Kenny Clark, one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, one that yeah. comes to mind with me. Few guys can do as many things as he can and be as productive um, as he has over the last few years for the Packers. Uh, so that was that was surprising. It was actually funny when um, we were looking at this question. I was like, "Oh yeah, Rogers and Jones." And Dusty's like, "No, it was Campbell. <laughs> Jones was not on there." I'm like, "Are, are you kidding me? What?" Um, so he would be one. And then Jerry Alexander as well. I mean, I, I know he was hurt for most of the season last year and that probably played a role in this, but he's again, Dusty talked about aliens. He's an alien. He is mm-hmm. incredibly good. Um, and he's definitely on a healthy year in the top 100. So right there, that's five people that could have been on the list that yeah. then, you know, only two of them were. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be excited when Aaron Jones, who is going to become one of the central points of this offense, and just the ball running through him on a lot of plays, uh, not not one of the top 100 players in the league, uh, that that he just kind of goes off this year. So I'm I'm excited for those conversations. Me too. All right, our final question is from Brian Hartstad, of course. Uh, big fan of the Pack-A-Day podcast with a much-anticipated start to the 2022 season and against a division rival. Is there a team other than the NFC division rivals that you get excited for the Packers to face regardless of year? And then food question, outside of syrup, what is your favorite pancake topping? Yeah, I mean, I think just because of the battles they've had over the year, obviously, you know, some of the playoff battles, but then some of the in-season battles as well, it was kind of the the rival from across the country was the Seahawks. Um, those are always, you always had some fun games. You know, I don't want to talk about 2014, so I won't, but most of the games since then you had, you know, Russell Wilson throwing five picks and, you know, just some, some really Mike Daniels going nuts in one game, like some, some really good battles between those teams. Now, you know, that is going to be different with, you know, Drew Locke potentially at the helm, but, uh, but some really good battles over the years with, with Russell Wilson and his, you know, kind of nominal ties to Wisconsin as well. So that was, those are always fun. I always like those games. Um, and then outside of syrup, favorite pancake topping. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I was blanking. I usually am more of a waffle guy, but I'll go, um, strawberries and whipped cream. Very good. I will also go strawberries. Dusty stole my answer, but as you know, we <laughs> steal each other's answers on this show all the time. Um, and then who am I excited for the Packers to play or who do I get excited every year? Um, it's going to be the Cowboys uh, for me this year. And I, I just feel like some crazy stuff always happens when the Packers <laughs> and the Cowboys mm-hmm. play. Now there's an added layer of Mike McCarthy being the head coach. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um, you know, it, it, it's late in the season, you know, November 13th. So it'll be 
um, you know, probably a pretty critical time for both teams. And um, it just, you know, there's a lot of trash talk between the fan bases and troll um, trolls all over Twitter. And of course, Stephen A. Smith, notorious for making fun of the Cowboys, <laughs> uh, the original, you know, they're laughing and or they're cheering and there's still, you know, X amount of time on the <laughs> clock was against the Cowboys, too. Um, so that would be my answer for sure. That's a solid one. There have been some amazing moments against the Cowboys over the years for sure. Alrighty, well, that's it for questions this week. I know we had a lot to talk about, roster cuts. Like Dusty said, one more week, and when you hear from us next, we will be previewing an actual game for the NFL season. So excited. And we could not be more excited. But before we go, Dusty, any final thoughts from you this week? I do. Uh, you know, I've got one. I will say, uh, if you've not read it yet, uh, this Monday of this week, Kevin Clark over at the Ringer wrote an article called The Case for Matt LaFleur. Um, that is tremendous. It's, uh, you know, kind of gets into, it starts looking at, you know, kind of the relationship between him and Rogers and, you know, kind of the, 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 the odd kind of relationship they have with Rogers trolling him and you get some funny stories out of there. But at heart, you really get to learn a lot about LaFleur, the person you get to hear from, you know, guys like Mike McDaniel, who, you know, head coach of the Dolphins, who counts LaFleur, one of his best friends and credits him with basically getting him back in the league when he was kind of. He was kind of bounced from the league, I guess, after missing some meetings, sleeping in late to meetings, at which if you've heard Mike McDaniel talk, uh, that's not shocking at all. But credits LaFleur uh, with doing that and saying, you know, he, he didn't have to do that. And a lot of guys might feel kind of threatened by that, but talks about him as one of the best guys he's ever met. And so you get a lot of those stories in there as well. So you kind of get to know, I feel like you get a look at LaFleur that I've not really seen before, kind of that deep look as far as who he is as a person, which was amazing. Um, and then that inspired me somewhat. So in that piece, uh, Kevin Clark talks about a concept that was kind of a, a big one. It's key to the Packers offense now, which is called uh, in the Packers offense is called strike. It's something I've always heard drift. That was from the Shanahan playbook, which is a play action concept where it's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, fake, fake the play, turn back around and you hit the dig route behind it. And it, it requires timing. It requires trust in that because that's really the only route you're hitting. And it's something Rogers didn't really feel comfortable hitting in year one. I think they didn't hit that play until, I want to say week 11, week 12 of week one, if I'm not mistaken, um, of his of his first year. It's it's a key component of that offense now. And so I, I pulled the cutoffs that I had of that concept in 2021, which was uh, they ran it 18 times. I think Rodgers was 15 of 18 in 2021. And so I pulled all those together real quick after reading that and then wrote, wrote something up about it over at Packer Report. So Packer Report now, you can read my piece on uh, the Packers drift strike concept in 2021 and kind of how they fared off of that. And also I've got links in there to Kevin Clark's piece as well. So if you've not read that, you need to read that. It's just tremendous piece. So yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got, man. I'm excited, excited for next week. Like, like we've mentioned multiple times, but I, I can't stop talking about it next week. And we're preview when we're previewing an actual honest to God game. I'm so excited. Me too. And I don't have any final thoughts this week, except read dusty stuff because it's great as always. And dusty's wonderful human being. So that will do it for the final week of the Pack Day whoop, whoop. podcast off-season coverage for the Wednesday crew. Thank you, as always, to everybody for following along all summer long. And whether you're joining us for the first time this upcoming season or you've been listening for years, we are grateful to have you with us. Uh, we will see you next week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Pack Day Podcast, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher 4, and at Steve Perhatch. One more week. Go Pack Go.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.